0: mouth to don't defeat it. Crack punching down whatever it was in. Not a huge fan at any time. I do not know where I was going. I always <laughs> think I was running and starting to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Holding the high line with Rabbi in red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads with questions from you.
1: Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. It is October 25th, 2023. My name is Matt Pollard. This terrible, horrible, no good, rotten, very bad Rapids season is finally, mercifully over. Joining me now to talk about it and other things going forward, my best buddy in the whole wide world, Rabbi Mark Goodman.
0: Oh, that's so sweet, Matt. It's so good to talk to you. Hey, did I, I did a math this today i took the did most of the day off today and i went hiking um i think i climbed 300 vertical feet matt all right maybe maybe 600 maybe 600 there's not a lot of vertical feet here in pittsburgh so but it was good i went to raccoon state raccoon creek state park and there were natural springs and there was uh ridge climbing and there was lots of foliage a lot of foliage man whoo I was doing some hardcore leaf peeping, Matt. You ever done some leaf peeping? I love me
1: some leaf peeping, Mark. Uh, <laughs> granted, uh, most of it's past, obviously. I will admit, Rabbi, as the son of a Michigander, um, obviously, I'm, I'm in a group chat with all my family and everything. My mom and my dad were up to close the summer cabin that we have in Otsego County in the northern portion of the lower peninsula of Michigan, so roughly like right where that last digit or where that last bend that you have in like the middle finger or the ring finger, roughly where Otsego County is, and they were going apple picking, they were doing fall stuff, my mom was baking many good things that obviously I did not get to eat whatsoever. Colorado and the Aspens do fantastic oranges and yellows. The reds, and particularly a very good transition from the greens to the reds, I will admit the Midwest and the Northeast absolutely has us beat. I was, um, You'll, you'll remember, Rabbi, I was at a wedding for the final home game of two seasons ago now. So um, the 1-0 win over FC Dallas drew Morris' final game for the Rapids. And I was there a little bit early in Maine for leaf peeping, and it was fantastic. So uh, it's still fall here in Colorado, Mark, uh, but in the high country, it is fall on the ground. And in Denver, we've got some really good color changes. I went for a drive on a couple of errands and passed by some fantastic leaf uh peeping that we had here but i don't know if you checked the weather forecast rabbi but uh chris bianchi has the first snowfall in denver proper likely this coming weekend so i think that'll kill off any of the colors that we have winter is coming and i am here for lay powder but
0: nice we've got nice weather here we're having whatever weather you guys had two days ago so it's extra warm here Mark, anything you want to say about Decision Day? Not Rapid specific,
1: but anything you want to say about Decision Day? Or would you like to commiserate uh, your Pittsburgh River Hounds who fumbled the bag?
0: Yeah, that was pretty disastrous. I had to go to a... It seems like every year at this time, like I do like a... Like my wife gets me into... well, this was a, a friend of, of all of ours, but uh, kind of like a, a a couple's date kind of thing. So we went over to some folks' house for dinner. So I actually didn't get to go to the Riverhounds game. But I literally, in what are um, resonant and recurring famous words that the editor of Pittsburgh Soccer Now has said to me before, he literally texted me and was like, oh, don't worry you'll catch the next round. I'm pretty sure the River Hounds are going to make a deep run this year. And I was like, don't say that. I've I've said that before. I think four years ago when I got here, I said to myself, like, oh, I'll take the night off. I'm not going to go to this round's game. I'm sure I'll get to go to the next round. And then, of course, there is no next round. So it's a bummer. Um, The Hounds, uh, you know, that's the playoffs, though. I mean, I think that the challenge, of course, of of any soccer team is that If you build when you build a team, you you build them thinking, oh, they're definitely quality enough to make it all the way to the USL final or the USL semis. And the reality is, like anything can happen in one soccer game. Being the best in the division for the year doesn't mean much. I think the thing that's sad enough, and I I think I said this last year and the year before, but um, for new fans, uh, it's always worthwhile picking up. it, this is it's more so even in USL than than in MLS. But um, a defeat in the playoffs is also a goodbye because all of those players, most of those players, are not coming back. They are going off um, to someplace else. I mean, almost every USL contract is a one-year or a two-year deal. Um, First-year players are often renewed on a two-year deal. So um, it's very rare for any player in USL to play more than three years for the same team. There's a few exceptions. Um, Canardo Forbes for the Riverhounds is kind of always here. I believe he's on a two-year deal. Um, Our our other incredibly uh, popular player is a local celebrity um, who grew up with the team. and his name is uh, uh, Robbie Mertz. Um, after that, everybody else is kind of like, uh, who knows? I mean, in, in fact, you know, our goalkeeper was fantastic this year. It would be great. For the, the Riverhounds almost never keep a goalkeeper for two years. Of course, he's been the backup for the Jamaican national team. So I think he probably has a lot of opportunity to go abroad or get picked up by an MLS team or somebody bigger than him, or at least make money and go somewhere else in USL. So we shall see. I have said way too much about uh, the Riverhounds for our audience, but I I also think uh, decision day was, was kind of exciting just in general. There were a few um, important games, uh, uh, Charlotte sneaking in uh, at the, at the death Um, a couple uh, I think uh, Minnesota getting knocked out at the, last possible second. Both of those were were worthwhile games. Um, But, you know, we'll see how that plays out as these uh, as these playoffs go on.
1: Yeah. You know, it was interesting from a decision day standpoint, Mark, that it was I don't know that we've had a decision day and Maybe this is a function of the new format and having more teams in it, of like more teams having uncertainty in terms of them getting in because you had two spots up for grabs across four teams in the Eastern Conference, and then I think it was two spots in five or three and five as well. And there were a lot of – you only had – Uh, two of those games, one in each conference that was directly involving any of those teams. So some of those were dead rubber team versus a team competing for that. Some of that, some of those other games were team competing for seating versus team competing for their, uh, for their playoff lives. And so I'll admit I was kind of scatterbrained from a decision day standpoint, Mark, obviously, in normal years or in years past, we would care about what it meant from a Rapids perspective. So in 2021, the only games that I we cared about was what was going on with Sporting Kansas City and Seattle Sounders as those three teams were jockeying for those top three spots in the Western Conference. And then it was the 2016 season. I believe there was still an outside shot that the Rapids could have won the supporter shield that day. But like they needed Dallas to lose and the Rapids needed to beat Houston, I think. And then there was some goal difference or some other tiebreaker involved in that So there's only one other, I'm used to usually only caring about one or two other games. But functionally, Decision Day was a dead rubber from a Rapids perspective. So I was paying generally attention to what was going on in MLS, but specifically around two games that I was interested about because of some of my other media colleagues, who my best friends still at last word on soccer are Harvey Cruz, who is a New York Red Bulls supporter, Mark. And I was obviously watching as they very dramatically ended up it at the last minute and... Uh, We're recording this, listeners, at halftime of supporting Kansas City versus San Jose, and the Red Bulls have already won their play-in game, their wild card game, whatever you want to call it, the 8-9 game against Charlotte. So happy for Harvey. (laughs) And the other one, Dan, I think is set up perfectly because uh, my other good friend from last word, Who had doubts about the team he covers um, making the playoffs was Daniel Sperry over at the Kansas City Star, who covers sport in Kansas City. And uh, Mark, I don't know if you know this, he's originally from the northern part of California, so he gets an absolute treat in getting sport in Kansas City versus San Jose Earthquakes, his um, youth club as well. So I'm, I'm not just rooting this because of the potential rooting interest that my other friends in the media may be interacting with listeners, but I want them, it, as long as it doesn't inhibit my opportunities to cover big games or advanced opportunities, you know, get to cover a final, I want them to have those same opportunities as well. And so, um, you know, now I've had um, <clears throat> you know, um, if, if Sporting Kansas City is able to hold over that, then you're talking just more home games for um, my friends who get to cover those opportunities, and I'm here and I, I cheer for them to be able to cover good and interesting stories in the same ways that I've tried to cover good and interesting stories regardless regardless of how non-competitive the Rapids were this season. But Mark, if I'm going to be honest with you, I was really torn about whether or not I was going to actually go to the Rapids decision day because you had Hailstorm playing up in Windsor. And then I was also contemplating covering it from home and quad boxing between these switchbacks (laughs) who were at San Antonio as well. Because you're talking about, Mark, when is the last time that you had, I think, um, you know, all three Colorado teams playing at the same time in games that mattered. Obviously, the Rapids game didn't matter for seeding, but it mattered from a pride standpoint, given this, as we'll come on to in a minute, folks, I think is the final game for a number of Burgundy boys. And obviously, a game against RSL, even if uh, one or both teams doesn't have anything to play for in terms of standings, will still matter emotionally, even with the Rocky Mountain Cup already decided. And with the USL team still mostly at a 7 p.m. kickoff, that obviously... um, you know, it's different in terms of the overlap of only having, what, I guess an hour and a half as opposed to the full two hours between switchbacks, hail, storm, and rapids all kicking off just after 7 p.m. Um, for those of you who don't want to check your phone because you're driving or something, or uh, apparently I'm in <laughs> I'm in judgmental Jim's head mark, so um, uh, the, uh, it was a, a joke on Twitter, and so Jim, maybe I'm in your head and thus you're distracted and don't want to check your phone. Uh, San Antonio FC did defeat switchbacks 1-0 and then, Uh, Hailstorm absolutely romped forward Madison. So Hailstorm will go to North Carolina for this weekend. And then if they win that, they will be in the final. And then on the other side, I think it's Charlotte FC versus um, the number one team, which is Union Omaha, the one with the owl mascot, Owlcrest. And so if, if Hailstorm win and then Omaha win, that final will be a week from this coming Sunday, and that will be in Omaha. But then, if Hailstorm win and Charlotte win, so that Hailstorm are playing Charlotte FC or Charlotte Independence, um, it will be a um, it'll be a Hailstorm home match, and they'll be hosting the final in just their second year. So that's interesting for me, Mark. Um, Rabbi, anything else we want to say about Decision Day? Uh, full disclosure, listeners, we are uh, MLS Cup playoffs agnostic. Mark, I think the only matchup in that first round. Uh, proper with the three-leg series that I'm actually interested in watching or have doubts about what's going to happen is probably Atlanta versus Columbus. But, Mark, I'm so burnt out from this season. I want to do some other stuff as well. I think the I, – I do not want to – I don't want to watch the playoffs and then give MLS the viewership metrics that they're looking for and validation to say that this playoff format was a good decision or not mm-hmm. purely for money – reasons at the expense of the quality of the competition and the significance of the playoff games mark i'm right now there is a non-zero possibility and it may even be 50 50 that i do not watch a playoff game until mls cup rabbi oh, what wow. do you think or shall we just move on because you don't care about the playoffs now
0: i care about the playoffs i am i'm gonna be watching um i i uh i will be covering probably some high school soccer here a little bit so not but i'm i'm gonna uh keep our listeners from having to hear about um, the Whippeal 3A girls matchups that I'm excited to talk about. Although I will point out that out here in Pittsburgh, um, the teams have ridiculous names like Moon and Mars and Xelionople and strange things like that. Um, uh, I I would say that the teams that I'm interested in, uh, most interested in hearing are... um, I'm rooting for Houston because they've had such a really good season and also they're playing RSL. So clearly I have a rooting interest there. Um, And I'll also be rooting for Columbus because I got to watch them a ton this season because they're the nearest MLS team. Uh, So that should be exciting. Um, But uh, in terms of who do I think is likely to win MLS Cup this year? It's uh, it's kind of the usual suspects. I think the weird thing about having Cincinnati and St. Louis finish top of the table in their respective divisions is both teams should be really happy to be there and should, of course, they're planning to win it all, but I think, like, there's no shame for either team to um, cash out their chips a little bit early because they've accomplished so much this season. Um, Cincinnati should be really proud so I think this is actually a really good year for Columbus to win it all um, I think it's a good year for Philadelphia to win it all considering how they went out last year although they're not as strong a team as they used to be um, if you want a really good uh, rundown of everything Joe Joe Lowry um, does a really big Quick! It's the opposite version of this podcast and of Extra Time. Um, Extra Time goes on and on and on about a bunch of teams you don't care about. Uh, Holding the High Line goes on and on and on about a team you care about. Joe Lowry does about a seven to nine minute podcast about teams you care about really quickly. Highly recommended. Really enjoy it. Um, You definitely should consider that. Um, so, uh, but if you, if you want, he, he does a nice description of, of what makes Philadelphia strong and what makes them weak. And then my other favorite, uh, for the playoffs that I will be watching closely will be the Red Bulls because, um, they've never won it. And to win coming out of the eight position would both be great for Red Bull fans, but also more importantly, be vindication that this playoff format is absolute garbage because in a season at which they probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs, if they win, the whole darn thing it would just be great great um you know uh, fodder for us to talk about in the offseason
1: what are they the arizona diamondbacks mark um so i'll nice. the, the only other two things that i'll add rabbi I, mark can we I, i'd like for the hthl union to unanimously vote that regardless of teams we are rooting for dominic Baji in these mls cup playoffs Oh, nice, yeah, with Cincinnati, right? So, okay, so we're all rooting for Don Baji, who's already won the supporters' show. We would love to see him lift a MLS Cup and score in a final, obviously, but I think the other team, Mark, to your point about rooting against Real Salt Lake. I think if there's a solid dark horse in this one, I want to say that it's the Houston Dynamo, the end of the season on a really good run of form and everything. Um, What they've done, uh, it's a fantastic turnaround for them from a season standpoint. I think they've got a favorable matchup, um, being the higher-seeded team against Real Salt Lake. I'm not sure that anybody else in the Western Conference really is convincing outside of the Seattle Sounders. St. Louis has not been good to and their stretch. I'm not convinced by any of the really the lower seeded teams. Everybody else kind of backed in or you know, um hobbled their way into the playoffs um and then the only other one that I would have uh who am I missing here Mark? Um Yeah, it would be. I I think LAFC's a lesser version of themselves. And then I think it would be. I think Seattle would be the one just because they know how to win come October and November in this league. And they are still relatively healthy. And I do think having Joao Paulo back is going to be really big for them. So we'll see what happens with that. But obviously, we're not going to be talking about the playoffs because the Rapids are not in the playoffs. Um, Mark, let's do this. Let's do one final. Game recap for you listeners this past Saturday at Dick's Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado. The Rapids played their fourth competitive game of the year against Real Salt Lake, and they lost 1-0. to Not going to go over a lot of macro stuff with you folks. Not going to go over a bunch of individual chances. This game was a, as Cole Bassett put it, a perfect summation or microcosm of their season. They had a decent first half where they're on the front foot. They created Several chances. They did not finish any of those chances. They came out a little flat to start the second half. RSL, the opponent, got one really good opportunity. You could argue that it was fortuitous. You could argue they got a little bit of help from the officiating, and they ended up scoring on that, and the Rapids tried furiously to come back in a couple half chances. Kevin Cabral missing the best opportunity, of course, and the Rapids ended up losing 1-0. And maybe the one joy that you had, regardless of this defeat for me, Mark, was the fact that the game ended, or at one point there were five homegrowns uh, on the field together. I'm still working with Emilio Gonzalez to confirm this, Mark, but that has to be a record. I think when there was a fourth homegrown, when Darren Yappi stepped on the field as a substitute in the second half, that probably already set a new record. But you had Abraham Rodriguez getting his first start in MLS play for the team his only other appearance would have been at Portland last year for the back half of the second half after William Yarbo sustained a concussion and those were the only MLS minutes that Abrod had gotten and he started and, and looked the part um Mark where do you want to start with good things on this fourth loss in a calendar year to FSL
0: uh, the good thing is um, the team generated a lot of expected goals, 2.14. Um, they had some really nice chances. There was that early Jonathan Lewis um, break and shot. Uh, there was a late chance by, I think, Kevin Cabral in this one that went begging. That was frustrating. Um, the, the early shot was uh, by Jonathan Lewis. Um was worth point two zero expected goals in the sixteenth minute. So that was nice. Um, Rafael Navajo created a bunch of different chances that had some good looks, and so did um, Andreas Machu, who uh, who who had a shot off a corner um, that got saved. That was the best opportunity. Um, you know, Cole Bassett had a big shot from outside the box that uh, um, kind of like scared everybody, but uh, wasn't. Uh, and one from the edge of the box, but um, you know, producing chances is, I think, one of the challenges this team has had this year that they haven't been super great at. So just, just uh, you know, letting it fly, getting, getting, getting going, uh, giving it, a, giving it their best shot was was a good way to go. So that was, I think, our our best thing. I think the other thing was just looking at who was in the lineup and who got to play um, uh, was really great. It's great to have Sebastian Anderson get a full 89 minutes of play um abrod looked pretty comfortable out there i think people are finally uh are starting to notice that he's kind of diminutive uh he's a, a about five foot eight i believe but
1: listed at five nine mark and as someone who stood next to him with both of us wearing dress shoes on sunday at a burgundy affair can confirm that's a accurate description
0: right but uh but also knowing that uh you know, one of the greatest goalkeepers in MLS history um, who played for RSL is uh, also um, not that tall. So height doesn't matter that much. Um, Ali LaRoz getting on the field was great. I was super disappointed that he didn't start, though. Um, you know, Darren Yappi getting back on the field after having not played a whole lot lately was also really important. So, you know, some some good things uh, to to note and uh, possibly. Chris Little's final game as the manager of the Colorado Rapids also something to note. Matt, what would you say was your good stuff? Yeah, I mean,
1: I just the the young kids and really how they played and how they didn't look out of place mark, you know, before that uh Jonathan Lewis open chance that got set up really well by some good passing. Um, you know there was that opportunity for Danny Musovski where um, Alexander Kai kind of uh, you know has a really great run in behind and the Rapids kind of look and think that it's offsides and they have to play catch up and then the ball comes in and Abrod has to make a point blank save. He had a couple of other really good you know chances that he had to parry away and maybe the only one that I was a little bit disappointed with I think it was it was in the second half I think it was Diego Luna who eventually scored the only goal of this game and a kind of had to stretch out and make the save and he didn't put the rebound in a good place there wasn't an rsl player around there i think i don't think there was another one in the box outside of the the shooter <clears throat> and so the and so then there were two rapids defenders who thought to go for it but then a was able to get to it but i'll just i'll, I'll highlight for a listeners what i've been saying for what the three four games that sebi's gotten towards the end of the season 90 minutes through and a looked the part Distribution was decent, not great from what I could hear from up in the press box, which wasn't a whole lot given the crowd that you had. And Mark, those RSL fans were – that's the loudest that I've heard a traveling RSL contingency since pre-COVID. But from what I could hear, his communication was as good and as frequent and organizing and positive as I have heard from him. At Rapids 2 games, where it's much easier to hear what Abrad is saying, whether they're playing at DSG or in front of, you know, a couple hundred people at DU, he did not look out of place. And on the one play that you would say was not his fault that was a negative for the team, it was on the goal that was conceded where, you know, I think it was a fortuitous, uh, it was opportunism by Luna. The goal scorer. Um, it was maybe Moist Bombito so not reacting well enough after he went to ground, and then maybe a poor decision by the official to not give a foul there. I have not seen Mark a good angle that shows that the ball went out of bounds. So I'm inclined to give the officials the benefit of doubt in that one. But for me, you know, is that usually called a foul? Yes, looking at how small and not large uh Diego Luna is versus how tall (laughs) Moist Bombito is and the way that he was almost goading the foul and everything I could see I could see an argument behind the official not giving it but you know it is what it is but so back to my original point um Uh, The the one play that was negative that Abrad could have done something about was the one that you did not fault him on. And similarly, I would say there's been no play that I've seen in Sebastian Anderson's, you know, three games that he's gotten, you know, almost three 90 minutes performance. You know, obviously he was subbed out in garbage time of this game in which he has looked out of place to where if you told me, if you swapped out Sebastian Anderson for uh, Keegan Rosenberry, in those games, Mark, and if we swapped out Abe Rod for either William Yarbrough or Marco Ilicic, in that I would have said, yeah, they played fine. Um, they weren't spectacular, but they didn't do anything wrong. Um, moving on, and so to say that about young kids who haven't gotten those opportunities in the past, who've gotten those opportunities because of what they've done for R two, or ways in which they've been better, or if or if this is all just secretly the Chris Little effect, as Brayden Norse from the Denver Sports Magazine might say, I think is absolutely a positive. And hopefully this is something that all these young players can carry forward. Mark, we've been very critical, but I think fair of Ralph Preso at times this season. And I've thought, you know, he's come off the bench a few times for the Rapids under Chris Little and has been totally fine. I thought he was OK. Um, he's still not great in possession. There's still times from a positioning standpoint that he's a concern. But he's been better under Chris Little than I think he was earlier in the middle third of the season when they were losing, and he was regularly getting... Minutes and regularly making mistakes under Robin Fraser, Cole Bassett, still one of the only, you know, exciting regularly goal dangerous players for the Rapids. Maybe the one thing that I have to say about this mark is given the game didn't matter, it wasn't as quite play your kidsy as I was expecting. I would agree with you. I, I would have liked to have seen Ollie start in that middle uh, next to Conor Ronan and see what they could do together. Uh, I'm never going to complain about two Ginger D mids in a double pivot, obviously. Um, and then it would have been nice to, but in lieu of that, it would have been nice to see Ollie and Yap get um come off the bench earlier in the game but that's all i really have to say from a personnel standpoint um uh mark let's let's move on to bad things i already kind of talked about all the bad things that happened around the goals some of which i don't think the rapids had control over um anything that um you want to say specifically that was bad about this game or does it not even matter because you know it was game 34 rapids were always going to lose this game who cares
0: well, they didn't win, so that that's that matters. I mean, I I I, uh, I I did kind of think they had a chance in this one because they had young players, but yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, that Kevin Cabral missed late, just kind of like set me off. I was just kind of like, "Really? Are you kidding me? Can this guy ever do anything?" Nope. Um, it was so frustrating, and i I'm like. I thought that I had stopped caring about Kevin Cabral being disappointing, but apparently I still care. So, and I think I'm worried about it for next year. I'm severely worried that like he did the same thing for the Galaxy last year, which is hog the ball and not convert, and then he did that this year. So, um it's a, it's a position that I'm con- seriously concerned about. Um but yeah, so that, I guess that's my only my only main thing since um and, and also just wanting the young players to, to get more time for Ollie Raz to start. But, you know, I, I, I get it. Oli Raz had a busy season for R2. Um, he doesn't have anything to prove by, by getting out there and getting out to start for the Rapids. So um, it was just for pride. Your thoughts? Rafael Navajo
1: does a number of things very well. Right. Uh, what he does from a physicality standpoint, particularly when he's been isolated with two or at times three center backs or a D-mid in there, is incredibly difficult, and I think he has dealt with that well, given that Brazil is not as physical of a league as Major League Soccer is, and Brazil is officiated differently than MLS is. I still think he does a lot of really good stuff in terms of the buildup, in terms of him being given the ball because it's the easiest outlet and then having a difficult situation and escaping from that or just not immediately giving it away, unlike certain French-designated players who are being played at um, as a false nine earlier in the season. And I still think he does a very good job in terms of his link-up play, in terms of getting the ball easily, to a teammate who then they... It's it's easy for them to then do something with the ball rather than a pass that slightly off, then puts them in a precarious situation or turns into a 50-50 with an opponent as well. He's a guy who's easy to play with. He's a guy who makes it easier on you when you are trying to get him the ball. He is a guy who makes it easier on you as a teammate when he is trying to get the ball to you that being said I still don't think he's been goal dangerous enough a lot of that is on the team around him um Mark we we could put Lionel Messi or Zlatan Ibrahimović or Erling Haaland in this team and they would struggle at times just due to the fact that so much of what they have to create is entirely or mostly on their own that being said uh, the one chance you didn't mention Mark was I think it was 14th minute. it was in the first half, and he kind of had that open header that was really well set up, and he just missed it, and there was room at the um, at the far post where Navajo was at, or there was even time for him to maybe take a touch and then try and go for something, though I think Justin Glad and uh, Zach McMath would have been in his kitchen at that point and so just to see a guy who you know still he hasn't had like he hasn't had a good game mark in his time at the rapids in terms of just the wow he was really dangerous he was creating a bunch of chances he was a live wire he was a a problem in the box regardless of the fact that he just has the two goal contributions that really great pass to calvin harris on the winner against new england and then the uh, poachers goal that he got You know, the other day in Houston, he hasn't had a good he he hasn't put together a good 90 minutes or even a good half in terms of what he did in the final third or specifically what he did in the box. And I'd be saying something completely different if he finished that header. But, you know, he has scored a goal. He's acclimated off the field. Um, you know, he he seemed super friendly when I went up and spoke to him, obviously, through the translator at a burgundy affair. He seems to get on with his teammates. I, I'm cu- really curious to ask him about this the next time that I interview him, Mark, of how his energy is a mentality of, like, he's clearly showing in his body language that he wants to be here, and there's a there's a mentality of, like, wanting to be part of the solution, and I'm genuinely wondering where that is coming from or what it was about the Rapids that made it such an appealing project for him to come to. And everything the one key variable that we have there, Mark, is the uh, one of the strikers that was ahead of him at Palmeiras is in this, uh, it's been confirmed that uh, that player is going to um, is going to Real Madrid in the winter. It's a 35 Whoa. million euro initial fee, and then I think 25 million in add-ons. that was originally reported by the athletics, so maybe those numbers are off or I maybe I'm misremembering the currency. Let me make sure. I want to make sure I get which one it is. It's the one with the E with his last name. Endrick. Endrick, Mark. Uh, and he's a 16-year-old striker, and he was one of the ones that was ahead of him. So, yes. Um, uh, Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Serie A attack certainly going on there. But um, I think Navajo will be back, Mark. Um, I do think there's a good foundation there, but obviously we need to see him hit the ground running in terms of goal scoring for, I think, him to validate that he's worth the uh, $4.5 And for, you know, that to be a a worthwhile investment. If nothing else, he's certainly been better than Sidney Tavares, Mark, who was not even in the squad for this game. I think it's just really disappointing that he had that sickness i think it was cramps or it had something to do with his hydration marker like getting adjusted to altitude just did not settle in well so maybe it was altitude sickness that he was actually dealing with which i'm actually maybe a little bit more empathetic to than it being a stomach bud that had him out for four weeks and everything but again acclimatized off the field obviously no language barrier for sydney in the ways that there is for navajo um and so, um, you know, just hoping that he can hit the ground running. But in terms of when they came in, this being a, you know, a a, a period for them to get acclimated and get settled and everything, right. we didn't see as much as maybe was needed or wanted on the field. That is a concern that I'm pinning, um, that I'm putting a pin in for next season. I look forward to being proven wrong and to writing
0: about it. Well, I'll just add that um, the uh, MLS salary numbers came out finally for they were listed as the september 15th numbers but they didn't come out till october i think because mls and the and the uh league were and that the um the uh the players association were trying to figure out exactly how to explain how much Lionel messi made that that was kind of the rumor but in the end messi makes about 20 million a year on the books anyways um Tavares is making $750,600, which makes him, I think, the fourth most expensive player on the Rapids. Um, Sorry, no, yeah, fifth most expensive player on the Rapids. He, the most expensive player, sorry, no, fourth most expensive. uh, Kevin Cabral, Rafael Navajo, uh, Andreas Machu, and then it's Sidney Tavares. And so, based on that, um, that's kind of, I think, the part that makes... Uh, fans and folks who are um, thinking about the Colorado Rapids really concerned. Which is, it's okay to have a miss on a player you bring in on a loan um, mid-season. It's n- not okay to have a miss on a loan for a guy who's that expensive. That's a that would be a big miss if the Rapids wind up missing on it.
1: Yeah, and then just to confirm, Mark, uh, we now have the the highest paid player in terms of how much the Rapids are paying him is Rafael Navajo with a guaranteed annual compensation of one point four three million dollars and off the top of my head mark I believe the only players that would have made more in club history are skelchingashi 1.65 and then Tim Howard 2.4 2.5 I might be misremembering those numbers by a couple hundred thousand dollars so um that's nothing to snuff at in ways mark that I think if you if you're saying that Sidney Tavares is more a young player upside already um, you know can easily go back to Europe because of his passport situation and everything possibly on the outside looking in for one of the U national teams for portugal as well you know that that's a but to your point mark we, you can't miss on both those guys you miss on both those guys that is a sunk cost from a salary standpoint that the rapids can't afford to not be having as a productive player and then just the other thing as well from a salary standpoint mark um with those numbers coming out i guess we'll transition into those unless uh rabbi did you have a big thing just the only other thing that i had was i was so relieved at the full-time whistle just like thank god this season is over uh that day and burgundy affair for me felt like last day of school and it's very clear as we'll come on to a couple minutes there's a, a lot of people who aren't going to be here next year they're graduating or whatever the soccer player equivalent of that is. Um, and then just the, the relief of it being over. But I don't think it can be understated, Mark, regardless of this game being irrelevant from a standing standpoint. The Rapids had four games against RSL this season. Three of them were at home. They lost all four of them. And the aggregate score was 7-2. to two. That's unacceptable.
0: Uh, you just maybe want to pull up the 2018 senior roster and salary. Tim Howard made... 2.475 uh that year. So, 2.4 million 770 75,000. Um, made 1.668 million dollars that year. Lowest paid player that year, Kip colvey with $67,000 on the year. $67,000. Kip colvey the oh wait, I take that back. He wasn't the lowest paid player um, because the uh minimum that year was fifty-four thousand, uh, and Ricardo Perez made fifty-four thousand two hundred and fifty-four dollars. I have no idea
1: who that is, Mark. I do not remember that person. You could be you could be joshing me right now and just making up a name that sounds plausibly like an MLS bench guy, and I would be
0: none the wiser. He made zero appearances. Uh and was a homegrown for the Rapids. Oof. So mid midfielder, uh, and I have no I have like no recollection of him whatsoever. Although I will throw out another name from twenty eighteen that you will remember who was on sixty-five thousand dollars for the year. Mike DeFont. Oh, Mike my DeFont God. with the Colorado Rapids that year. That's a name that you want to forget as soon as you hear it. So much, dude, bro,
1: hair gel, and just the the, the weirdest game face. Okay, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> so mark the other salary things to note. I don't know if this is relevant because um he is out of contract, and we already knew this um because of um his salary being reported, albeit as a member of the Columbus Crew earlier this year. But uh, Luis Diaz um uh, on half a million and guaranteed compensation uh five three four. Thousand dollars, and then Andrew Gutman, an absolute steal for me. Mark making three hundred eighty-one k on the year, and he will be in his last year of his contract for the Rapids in 2024, Mark, I you you could up him to 500k right now, Mark, with a contract extension, and I would not complain at all about having Andrew Gutman in the left-back position for the Burgundy Boys for the next three to four years minimum, and then uh, what was the other new player that we had as well, Mark, and then we did not previously have Daniel Chacone because the MLS Next Pro contracts are not revealed, Mark, but we now know that Chacon's MLS compensation will be 75 k Presumably that's what it'll be or around there for next year. I think totally fine based on where he is from an age profile. And um, that's not a huge hit given that obviously he'll miss the first half of the season due to that ACL tear he suffered on loan with Alajuelense. And then think there was one more mark we already knew danny levo was on a little over 200k he's obviously his loans expired and i don't think he'll be back with the rapids in any way there's one more uh Marco Illich uh, had a slight pay raise, folks. Uh he's now to just over he's to four hundred and forty-two K a year. That's slightly more than he was when it was reported, uh when the salaries were reported in the spring. That is because that was previously on a loan deal, and this is his new permanent contract. So a slight pay raise there, Mark. But um if we get William Yarbrough production out of him, I'm not complaining about that salary. Yarbrough was on four seventy-five as well. So I think that does it for salary compensation. Um Mark, given two big tweets that we had within 24 hours of the uh, Rapids game going full time on Saturday, shall we talk about player departures?
0: You get the honor of breaking the bad news to the four Rapids fans who listen to this podcast (laughs) who didn't really know about our two two of our favorite players going away.
1: Yeah, so um, Mark with er listeners within five minutes of the full time whistle blowing, uh, Diego Rubio tweets out a photo of him over the concourse, uh, the upper concourse on the north side of Dick Sporting Goods Park during the game, and uh, the tweet reads, uh, "Thank you, Colorado. My family and I will miss you!" Exclamation, and then three red heart emojis, and then this would have been just before 2 p.m. on the following sunday so just a few hours before a burgundy affair mark uh, jack price tweets out thank you colorado rapids fans heart emoji me and my family have had the best six years the support and love shown towards us from day one has been top class wish the lads all the success in the future soccer ball emoji fist pump emoji uh an honor <laughs> and immense pride to captain this club for four years um Praying hands, blessing hands, emoji, heart emoji, cheers, pricey, handshake emoji. So, Mark, just an absolute, like... Just a a punch in the gut. I was so looking forward to just going to a Burgundy Affair, doing this podcast with you, Mark, tweeting out the podcast and everything, and then logging off Twitter. And these two players, apparently of their own accord, Mark, it's my understanding their representation was not aware that they were going public with this, uh, revealing that they will not be back at the club. I had an article on this up at Burgundy Wave if listeners want to check it out, kind of speculating what's going on. Diego Rubio is eligible for free agency for the first time in his MLS career. Mark, I have to imagine there's an MLS team that would be willing to pay him at or close to what the Rapids were paying him that has a much better chance of winning something in 2024. I have to imagine there are other other MLS teams more desperate for an attacking player, you know, who gave the Rapids since 2018. Um 38 goals and 26 assists. Uh, There's a team that's willing to give him the bag. And, of course, there's already rumors going out that um, Colo Colo is looking to bring him back as well. So, Mark, he's got three, I think, really good options here. Either make as much money as he was getting or take a um, maybe a discount to go to a contender, go to a team that's going to pay him what he feels that he is worth, or take the family back to Chile all three of those options, I think, are better than probably staying at the Rapids for a rebuild, given what I think the financial implications were going to be at the Rapids. Um, I don't have a sense of who, or, or excuse me, the um, there was a uh, the so the report out um from the. Chilean outlet that was reporting on Colo-Colo did add some nuance to this saying that Rubio was informed by the club that they would not be pursuing re-signing him so that could be that could be a club decision. I have not gotten confirmation that it was one side or the other in terms of Jack prices departure I have to think on some level though Rabbi it was mutual um, there's some obviously some family stuff Jack has you know a young family going on Hugo's I think two three years old now um, and then obviously he's very close with his family and you know that distance was not a problem at times mark but you know I could see every single time I was at training and I knew that Pricey's parents um were in town or coming into town how excited or how much more pep that he had in his step and I think it should be obvious to listeners who follow Debbie Price Jack's mom on Twitter how important family is to him and the opportunity to go back to the Midlands mark I think certainly there's a club in the championship that would take a flyer on him come January there's absolutely opportunities in League One there were several quote tweets from Jack Price's tweet on Sunday afternoon from uh Salop fans from Shropshire. um uh, from Shrewsbury uh, Town fans already saying that um, that you know they would like to see him back there in League One Mark. So that's certainly an option as well. Jack Price will have options. I-, I think on some level, it was kind of a mutual. Now's a really good time for me to go back home and finish my career there. You maybe have some doubts about what I'm doing from a rehab standpoint. And Connor Ronan's done a fantastic job. Maybe you like Ralph Prizzo. Maybe you like something else. There's a new coach coming in, unless he really absolutely loves and wants me based on what Uh, You think you're doing in terms of that hiring position, Um, you know, maybe it's best for us to just, you know, say, hey, thanks for the memories. We'll always have 2021 set piece Kings FC. um, And, you know, let me go back and get things sorted. Um, And I, I don't think he will have any issue being Um, employed come January mark, assuming that the rehab um, continues in that way. And I have to think with how much goodwill he has at Wolves that he'll, you know, get the he'll he'll get a key to the training facility and be able to train with them, even though they're in the Premier League and everything. So um, Jack Price should be back up to fitness for me, folks, certainly by middle of January. And then at that point, since he'll have been a free agent since before that window opens he can sign with any team no issues from a paperwork standpoint there and he can go back live in the midlands be happy and everything and there's a bunch of teams in that area that are um that that are in the right area geographically where i think he and his family could be close together and that would be at the right tier in terms of what he's looking for in terms of competition in terms of compensation and everything and mark i, I look forward to him landing somewhere um and just you know being happy and finding joy in football in ways that I don't know that he had really the last year, 18 months or so. And I'd say the same thing about Diego, Mark. It's just the the reality is I, I, th- I still think there's a very real possibility that Diego is somewhere in MLS. And if there's anybody that's going to show up salty and ball out to uh, beat the Rapids, I think Diego Rubio is going to enjoy his revenge at the Richard in 2024 if he's here. Mark, there there will be a time for us to, I think, look back properly on both of these players and their time as a member of the Rapids. So I don't know. We don't want to go fully into a a, uh, Jack Price and Diego Rubio memorial episode, but um, things that you would like to say about their departure,
0: what this means for the club. It's a big loss. Uh, There's no way around it. I mean, these two are uh, the kind of guys you sell the club on, the kind of thing that your season ticket sales guys call up. Uh, season ticket holders, with for the next coming year, and say, just want to remind you that Diego Rubio is going to be back in Burgundy, and Jack Price will be the captain of the team. You know, like what? What do you tell people about next year? Like Jack Price, unfortunately, had two years filled with injury. So, um, but but he had that you know affable, outgoing, winning smile, and you know he was always a favorite with me and you as an interview. I mean, there was nobody. Um, You know, there was nobody I was happier to grind through uh, transcription software failures with than Jack Price. Transcription software did not understand what that man was saying. I
1: think this was twenty eighteen twenty nineteen I was speaking to a club staffer about that, and they said the only accent it had like like had could do nothing with was Jack Price's mono accent like they'd have to go through and comb through it twice for the Scots, more so for Danny Wilson than Sam Nicholson, actually, but like there was nobody else you you plug in audio from Jack Price into AI and you say translate this into English words, and it's spitting out gibberish.
0: Oh, I would have to listen to certain things he said in an interview six times before I got it right, and even then I would be like, I might be fudging this one a little bit, so. We still don't know, Mark, if technically the first time that Jack Price said it,
1: if Scottish salmon is a verb or is a noun and that speaks to the wonderful uh, uh, obscurity and you you didn't understand what he was saying but you felt and under and you could get what the message was and understand and appreciate that and that was one of the beauties of Jack Price's communication
0: so there's that and then there's the practical application of the fact that to be very blunt and I literally haven't thought about this till you asked me Matt um, the entire club identity for the last two years has been those two guys um, it was those two guys and a bunch of warm bodies in the field or a bunch of not not to be cruel uh, they're not warm bodies but replaceable parts and that they were they were the other players on the field gave you things that um, were replicable by anyone else in MLS Diego Rubio created goals at a huge rate last year for this team when they weren't getting goals anywhere, and he was one of the first um, big goal scorers in... He was the first big goal scorer for the Colorado Rapids since Connor Casey, a name so far gone that most of our listeners vaguely have heard of him, but probably have never laid eyes on him, unless you were an OG hardcore. Um, And then... Jack Price, I mean, what he was able to do on dead ball situations and from corner kicks helped define the Rapids. If you ask Matt Doyle, expert uh, on all things Major League Soccer uh, for the league, um, how the Rapids overperformed expectation in 2016, um, how they overperformed expectation in 2020 um, and 2021... Set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. Uh, Jack Price's ability to deliver a ball front post, back cor- back post, um, or to exactly the right spot was a huge, huge uh, addition for this team. When he was out in 2022, things were really, really bad for the Rapids. They just absolutely could not find anyone who could deliver balls from the corner like him. Brian Acosta... Was kind of put in, and I remember interviewing Jack Price, and he said nice things about Acosta. But the reality was Acosta, I think, put in one assist that was uh, on a on a corner kick that entire year, maybe two. Um, and Jack Price had twelve the year before that. So um, that's that's I mean that's scary, Matt. I mean that's those two guys are basically reasons the team won the last couple of years. Now you've got to create a totally new identity around this team. Um, and I don't know what that identity is. I don't know if they are going for like-for-like for like replacements, where they look for a big goal scorer and someone who is a, a set-piece specialist, or if you are trying to bring on a new coach, bring on two new, big, well-paid players who have their own, you know, top-notch, S-tier-level abilities that can help make this team, you know, go Because right now there's just there's nobody on this roster who is a dominant player who has a clear stamp on the game that will do things. I mean, you've got some really good players, but who are like effectively role or supporting players like Cole Bassett is a solid, you know, number eight type player or shuttler in uh, four, one, two, one, two diamond. Um, That's what his role is. He can't. Be your primary goal scorer. He's not your killer stopper at the six, um, or at least he hasn't been asked to be. Um, then you've got a couple of defenders who are exciting, fun defenders, but they're not going to define how the team plays. Like Andrew Goodman is a good pick, no pun intended, at um, left back. He solidifies that spot. And I think Sebastian Anderson might be the solution at, at right back um, going forward. But you don't win games with your left and right back, and especially not those two guys in, in particular because they're not offensive wing back types. They're not DeAndre Yedlins, they're not Sergino Dests. They're they're much more traditional stay at home defenders. So those those are huge questions, those are big problems. Um the two guys the Rapids brought in on loan, Navarro and Navajo and, and Tavares, haven't been those guys yet, so Who will define the identity of this team going forward without Jack Price and without um, Diego Rubio? And on top of that, Mark, let's not forget
1: that um, William Marlborough is also out of contract and Mm -hmm. had that injury to finish the season. And so I think if you were to say somebody besides Price and Rubio, Mark, who for the last... Two years, three years was such a big part of this team's identity. I would include Yarbrough in there. I'd say he'd be third on that list between him, Rubio, and Price. And I think it's incredibly cruel, Mark, that now the final appearances that you had in Burgundy for these three players potentially are Jack Price— Tearing his Achilles against Minnesota United seven minutes into subbing in back in, you know, what was, the, uh, I think that was March. It might have been late February at the time. Diego Rubio starting and then being a early second half sub in Houston in which the team got schwacked 5-1. And potentially William Yarbrough's final game for the Colorado Rapids was getting shelled by Toluca where none of those goals were really his fault as well. And so for three guys who were a massive part of this team, Jack Price, who is up there in terms of the sixes that we cheer to Diego Rubio, who was the the only other attacking player, Mark, I think you can say in the history of the club that was better or had a better individual season or was more impactful was Connor Casey. That is saying something. Jack Price, like the, the demons that you're talking about are better than him in terms of their club pedigree, what they did. We are talking Mastroeni, Laurentiwitz, Marcelo Baboa, if we're counting him as a D mid as opposed to a center back, I know he played in both of those positions as well. Like Mark, I would say his, I would say Jack Price's legacy as a D mid is better than what Sam Cronin and what Michael Azero were, for example. Mm. <clears throat> and then William Yarbrough, who just earlier this year set a uh, broke the clean sheet record for the club as well, and the three of them potentially going out on a whimper hurt and then going somewhere else where potentially at least two of them could be hurting the Rapids is just, you know, incredibly cruel to the narrative of what they've meant to this club and what they mean to this community. So I guess um let's come on to that, Mark. Um, one other thing, as I've reported that I have on very good authority, Mark, is that Jonathan Lewis, even though he is guaranteed for 2024, will not be back with the club. He will likely be traded within the league and most likely to an Eastern Conference team. Um, Mark, he had one goal in MLS play this year. I think we can say that the young potential player that the Rapids got who was looking for minutes and hoping to come into something that had European and national team potential hasn't really achieved itself. I think, unfortunately, Johnny, I, I think we can now say, Mark, at, at his age and what he hasn't done is that he's a speed merchant. He's in the Kakuta or the Dominic duro mold more so than he is some of the other attackers where speed is their thing, but then they have a finishing touch as well. Um, and he'll go somewhere else where I think he's probably a sub option. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to Orlando being originally from Florida. I do not know that there's room for him on inner miami squad with what they're going to be next year, Mark. I, I wouldn't be, I would not hate Rubio coming on and then being somewhere in that front four for Atlanta if they sell Tiago Amada for a bunch of money in January and then have Lewis as a super sub, similar to what Derek Etienne was, but maybe less hated by the 17s. But um, Mark, your your thoughts on uh, Jonathan Lewis joining the departures for this season?
0: Yeah, addition by subtraction. Um, I mean, he, he did he did add a lot, but I think the lack of playing time he had down the stretch shows what The coaching staff thinks of him, which is, I think they eventually came around to what you and I were saying at the beginning of the season, because they started listening to this podcast and picking up uh, valuable tips about how to, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, he was, he's a one dimensional player. It's been pretty evident for about two seasons now. I think three seasons ago, we were hyped up on him. Um, But you know, that's, that's interesting. I think what you raised for me though, was, was interesting very briefly is just that, um, you know, the, uh um uh Jack Price had another year, uh, according to my records on his deal. He so, had an option for twenty Yeah, so oh you think it was an option. It was an option. Oh wow. So um so I guess that, that means that uh when they let him go that uh that everybody agreed that or at least that the club had told him, like, you know, you won't be back. So um so anyways, I, I think that that's interesting in terms of like knowing that uh, it was a, it was a choice that somebody or at least one side had to make or the other um, but yeah so you know Lewis and I think the other thing that I've noticed about the overall roster is it doesn't have as much flexibility as I would want it to um, a couple of years ago in the um, year after uh, um, Tim Howard and the year after that there were a lot of contracts that were coming off the books um, there are not a lot of contracts coming off the books but it just it doesn't mean that there won't be a lot of changes. There's a lot of opportunities for wheeling and dealing in the off season um, for the Rapids. Um, There are a lot of players who have, uh, uh, you know, are are their contracts end in 2024. So they're a little bit easier to move. Um, There's some contracts that are tougher to move that are a big disappointment. Um, Alex Gersbach had an injured year, um but didn't look very good at the beginning of the season. He's signed through 2025 and is, you know, basically here whether we like it or not. Um Kevin Cabral is signed through 2025 and no one is gonna touch him with a ten foot pole. Your options your option for Kevin Cabral next year is play him, sit him, or cut him. Those those are yep. those are it, because nobody's buying him um, <laughs> even at the deal that the Galaxy got from the Rapids, which is, we'll pay half his salary. You know, the Rapids couldn't do that with anybody. Nobody's going to pay $400,000, I think, for Kevin Cabral. Um, and then you've got, uh, the most complicated of all dead money contracts, which is Max Alves. I think that's a really interesting one to watch. Um, it's not a lot of money. It's not that he's costing a lot. He is taking up your U-22 young money slot, which is a bummer if you want to use that. But um, Alves, as a player who you cannot play because he uh, is involved in an ongoing criminal investigation in Brazil, that, uh, to me, Matt, that has to be resolved in the offseason. You cannot have a player going into the, uh, uh, the year where the Players Association, the league are basically like, well, innocent till proven guilty. He's got to, you know, we've got to resolve it. You know, it's, it's, I think that's got to be a situation where either the team or the league says to Alves, like, you just can't be here. You know, like you, you need to get this resolved. And if it's not resolved amicably, um, you can play back in Brazil and your contract is voided for the coming year. Um, it's, it's, it's not just money. It's the roster spot and, and, Um, And the the value of of just having another guy on the roster um, who is, by the way, an international spot that's being taken up. So there are a lot of reasons why there need to be some positions with resolution. Um, Max is the most important.
1: Yeah, but on the other end, Marcus, someone in the analytics team, or as Porrick Smith would say, or at least would consciously think but not say out loud to people like you or me, which is, you know, they have a million dollars in a transfer fee, roughly, reportedly invested in that asset. And mm-hmm. that's still a young player who they think, on the whole of the crew, still has tremendous upside, the fact that he's coming from Brazil, the pathway to Europe and everything, if he were to get things right. I still, th- I think there's a very easy argument, Mark, that his best two games that he played for the Rapids were the two games games before all the news broke and he got removed from team activities as well so it's the do you cut bait on that to then create potential to bring in somebody new and in doing so that million dollars becomes a sunk cost and what does that look like financially given whatever conversations people in the front office are having with KSE or as you know josh kronky i don't know if you saw mark but uh, josh came down
0: to the dnvr bar to do the nugget show i heard I heard it. Nobody was allowed to ask him anything about the rapids, or there was there was a general sense that that was improper.
1: Yeah, and so you know, if if Josh Cronkey has time, Mark, to do you know a a media roundtable, as if he's you know releasing a book that's going to be on the Oprah Winfrey. Best-selling list, and then bring the Larry O'Brien Trophy with him. Like the, does he not have? Does he not have thirty minutes or an hour to do media availability, or at least do a live stream on on the Rapids account, or at least have a conversation about Max and what that would mean from a financial standpoint? I want to believe so. I, I've been told by multiple people, Mark, that uh, Josh is going to be more hands-on for the coaching search, and for what's going on in and around the club, and that that's been a reaction to the various things that have happened this season, I will believe it when I see it, and I can completely understand, and I think fans are completely valid in looking at anything that we hear about what's going on with ownership from someone else at KSC or from someone at the Rapids with a pinch of salt, given that it could be a filtered or a curated Version of the truth so we'll see but um mark let's go through you know we've obviously got i've got the the list of players up for an option right now we can go through them really quickly um, we'll start with the team options andrew Gutman, mark no question we're t- picking that up yes for sure william yarbro mark i have long since and i've gotten the hint that i think the i think as soon as they were able to secure marco Ilicha long term, that that is the player that they believe in and they think has more upside, has more potential, it is obviously younger, It doesn't have the injury history that Yarbrough now has with the MCL injury that ended Yarbrough's season. I do think that Marco had, like a number of other players, had a good run towards the end of the season that may help him, maybe the foundation for him next year as well. Mark, I I would almost be willing to bet money that in July when Ilica became permanent, that the Rapids had already decided what they're doing. I do... I believe that William Yarbrough, just like Price and Rubio, uh, will not be returning to the club.
0: Yes, and also Adam Baudry is 17 years old and is tearing it up in uh, uh, R two and in the with the U 17s. So I think, and and by U 17s, I mean both the Rapids U 17 and the U S Youth National U 17. And he's going to be playing, I think, this week in some um, U U U uh, 17 uh, matches. So. Um, if, even if you don't think a Broad is the future of this club, uh, I think Adam Beaudry is, and it's time to maybe give him a shot. I mean, uh, Gaga Slonina was only, I think 19 when he came up for Chicago. So now is pretty close to the time where you want to make some room for another goalkeeper.
1: Yeah. And then one other note on that, Mark, since you mentioned the U17s, Beaudry and then Zachary,
0: Campagnolo,
1: yeah. Campagnolo uh, both got the nod for the U.S. men's national team for the U-17 World Cup squad. They will be in Group E with Korea, France, and uh, Burkina Faso. I would favor, Mark, the U.S. to get out of that group. Their first group stage game is November 12th in Indonesia. Uh, Mark, anything in your spreadsheet that we should know about about camping uh, Campagnolo?
0: Campagnolo, he, he also got a call-up... Um in the last camp, uh, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot of information on him. He is, um, uh, his birth date is March 12th. Uh, and he was with the Academy U 17s this past year. He got a youth call up, um, at the beginning of 20 or in the middle of 2023. That's all I got on him. Uh, I hope I get out, get out to see him at some point. Um, the only team that I got to watch this year, was um, the U15s, uh, I got to watch a little bit in uh, in training this in in the um, the GA Cup, the uh, MLS next GA Cup. So um, the only thing that's notable about that group is Noah Chavaria, I believe, is the younger brother of Keith Chavaria, Um, but yeah, that's, (laughs) that's all I got for us. Um, also on that U15s team, although he didn't go with them to the GA cup was Cohen Vines. Cohen is of course the younger brother of Sam Vines. Um, and there's a middle brother named Jeremiah Vines. So, um, Jeremiah's with the U17s also. So a lot of brothers, uh, more
1: players to go through Mark. I think he's played his way into getting this, uh, guaranteed regardless of the coaching
0: situation, Sebastian Anderson. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, he definitely gets gets back. Um, yeah, I have him as having a club option for 2024. So you definitely want to exercise that. And you probably even want to do the um, exercise the option um, or don't even exercise the option, renegotiate the whole contract for a two or three year deal so that you can get a couple of years. Sebastian Anderson turns, um, or is current, is currently twenty-one years old, and will still be twenty-one on January first of twenty twenty-four this year. Uh, Two that I'll kind of lump in together because they kind of had similar
1: seasons, Mark. Ralph Preso and Calvin Harris, both on team options as well. Preso, homegrown. Calvin Harris, uh, Generation Adidas. So there's some nuances behind that that are different from a roster standpoint. Um, Harris didn't get a whole lot of playing time to start the season. He worked his way in. He looked better. Still some issues with him being goal dangerous, but he's finally scored some goals. And then Preso, as we mentioned, up and down. Lots of really bad howlers and then some more decent play as well. Um, Mark. I I want to say that both of those will be back no matter what, but I would leave it open to, if I was in the front office, I would leave this open to the new head coach who's probably been watching these last couple games to pick up, uh, to make decisions on them and a few other youngsters we'll talk about in a minute.
0: I like Harris a lot, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of, of um, undiscovered aspects to him. He is 23 years old and at the upper end of, he turns 24 in the middle of next season. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot about Calvin Harris. We haven't figured out already. Um, he is a, I think he would be a devastatingly talented player in USL, but he's just not quite at an MLS level, um, in terms of either his technical skills or his physicality to kind of be a striker. Um, and he doesn't quite have any of the other kind of head on a swivel abilities to, play a different position. Um, Ralph Prizzo is still maybe a work in progress. He's only 21 years old, but I'm not... I've been very disappointed in Prizzo the last year, Um, and I think that the thing that you want... The only thing that he does incredibly well is cover a lot of ground. He runs really far from one place to another, which is a useful thing for a defensive midfielder, but he doesn't often seem to be doing the right thing in the right place or making the right decision. Um, he's he's not a competent enough destroyer to be a pure six that can be fantastic. And he's not very good with the ball. Um, his, his decision-making when he forces a turnover or when he comes up with the ball on interception, I find really below average. Um, and I think Major League Soccer has become a league where it used to be a league where a player with a minor flaw or a serious flaw could be accepted if they did four or five other things well. I don't think we're there anymore. I think that was MLS 2.0, where there were some fatally flawed players who you just kind of throw out there and hope they could do the job. Um, you know, he's we're not there anymore, and he's too mediocre at other things. And that sounds really harsh for a young kid, but um, I think... Personally, Matt, if, if it were up to me, I would cut bait on both Calvin Harris and Ralph Prizzo.
1: I think one will be back, not both, Mark. I think it will be Calvin Harris, and I'm going to say that contingent upon what my prediction for these next two players that we'll talk about. Um, I lump them together because, again, similarly, they had very similar seasons, balling out with R2, sparing moments with the first team. Oliver LaRoz, who was a finalist for MVP in MLS Next Pro and was the best 11, and then Abraham Rodriguez, who obviously played well down the stretch for R2 and then did get the start on Decision Day. Uh, Mark, I think both of these players will be back. I think the club or and or the new head coach will be choosing Ali laroz over Ralph Priso in terms of a roster spot and opportunities with the first team. And I think Abrod will mostly be back on the um on the support of Chris Sharpie. What say you?
0: Yeah LaRaz's best asset is um his uh homegrown status. I mean Priso technically also carries homegrown status, but um uh LaRaz is a guy who you can pay, you can give him a two-year contract, you can keep him up at the low end of the salary level, you can use him kind of sparingly as a replacement um, you know, 60 minute, 60th minute um defensive midfielder or distributive midfielder, box-to-box to kind of guy, um, and he's gonna sit at the very low end of your salary. And he won't even cost you anything at the low end of your salary. So LaRoz is like all reward, no risk to some degree. There's, there's, He's just absolutely um, gravy. You know, there's there's nothing um, to worry about him. You could make that argument for Calvin Harris and Ralph Prizzo, except um, I don't think Prizzo has been as reliable an asset that you could bring in. He's slightly more expensive. Um, and with Harris, he's taking up... He's older, and he's taking up a position that you need a little bit more production at. And additionally, he's a Generation Adidas player, so he gives you some salary relief, but not all of the bells and whistles that a homegrown um, gives you financially. Um, and I think the last thing about all of the Ross is there's still some possibility that you can sell him on um, down the road. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of likelihood to that. Um, but there's the possibility that if if he were to have a, a gangbusters year and you sold him overseas, that you keep 100 percent of the profit because a homegrown or 95 percent. I don't recall the latest rules on homegrown transfer deals. Um, and then the last player who we haven't discussed, Mark, who has a team
1: option for 2024, Danny Wilson, I reported earlier. Um, today, Mark, that Wilson's future is undecided as of right now, or at least it's up in the air. I have to imagine this could come down to the head coach in terms of what he's looking at for his center back options and maybe what he's seen or wants more of from a Moist Bombito. I have no idea about this one, Mark. I think he's on a better contract situation than Lawless Bubakar. I've reported separately that Lawless will be back as well. I, I think with some of the young center backs that you have coming up, Mark, I think we could either see Danny become a squad player if he is or that they cut bait as well. I also have to wonder if maybe his situation with his family of, is this a good time to go back to Scotland? I think he'd go back to the, he could fit in at a bottom half of the Scottish Premiership, I think relatively easy. He could go to the Scottish Championship if he wants to. I don't know what the money would look like. I don't think he would be, I don't think he has a place going back to Rangers. He's definitely not going to Celtic in that regard. Uh, I'm 50-50 on this one, Mark. I have no idea, but I'm also a Danny Wilson homer. So what do I know?
0: Yeah, I think at the age of 32, he's probably got maybe one or two, maybe three more years left in him at uh, top-level soccer. Now's a good time to go back to Scotland, I think, or at least to the UK um, and play. And I think, you know, being a a player with as much MLS experience as he has, um, he is a tasty option for a, a lower league in England that, you know, those players... Those teams are really, you know, fighting, and and, and they need they need experienced hands who can really do things. And he might be the right guy at the right time for one of them. Um, I think he's. It'd be a good time for him to move on. I think it'd be a good time for the Rapids to move on from him. Not that he doesn't add value to the team, but we've talked about in past years he doesn't cover a lot of ground. And I believe last year um, he was rated as the slowest player in Major League Soccer. He makes up for that by positioning acumen and an absolutely deadly ability to get the ball out of the backfield on a long diagonal. But that's um, like I said, you know, the Rapids have all these players who, you know, they have this one cool trick and uh, we don't need one cool trick players. We need guys who can do three things really well, four things really well um, going forward. We, we just need, we need a team that has deeper, larger, greater amounts of talent um, and those guys also need to be on the younger end of things. If we're going to be, which I think we are, a team that is building for 2025, I yeah. do not think this team should, should build itself around trying to, you know, make the playoffs for 2024, although that, that's what you're going to hear a lot. Will this team make the playoffs in 2024? I don't care, right? I don't care whether this team makes the playoffs in 2024. Cincinnati did not spend their time building for – uh a a playoff uh, a playoff quality team they just went out and spent 2 years building a top notch team and then they got themselves um the, to the top of the league they got themselves a supporter shield um that's what you want to do you want to have a 2 year plan to make this team you know have a shot at a cup uh and that's where they need to be Danny Wilson is not in that plan yep and there's a couple other players on this roster who are also not going to be in that plan uh, the Rapids
1: right now, Mark. Uh, the first team only has three players that are technically out of contract. One of them is Diego Rubio. We already know that he is not staying. Mark, will touch on this briefly because I think we're both a no on this one. Luis Diaz, haven't seen enough, right?
0: Uh, yeah, it was a fun to loan, uh, but a, a fun loan deal. But uh, I, I see you later. Good night, sweet prince.
1: Yeah, and then the last one, Mark Stephen Bedascher. Um, I guess uh, I don't think I've tweeted this out yet, Mark. So uh, maybe this is an HTHL exclusive rather than me tweeting from Burgundy Wave first. Uh, Steven Beta sure is not interested in retiring. He wants to be back, and it looks like the ball is in the team's court. I would not be shocked, Mark, if this was like a one-year deal or a huh. one-in-one, like how we had with, um, like how we had with Drew Moore. I have no idea if Beta is interested in coaching, but if he is, and the new head coach comes in and likes him at that, I would not be upset with Beta being the last member of the coaching staff added in that first week in February.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's again that that like he's taking up a position that somebody else could have, but like Jackson Travis. (laughs) Yeah, but you're looking at the guy who's the 29th or 30th guy on the roster realistically. And I don't mean that literally because MLS rules have these Three designations, supplemental, reserve, and reserve minimum salary, which was a whole new category that I don't believe existed until either a year or two ago. Um, Technically, he'll be on the senior uh, roster no matter what, but um, you always have a couple guys on the senior roster who don't do a lot. I mean, Abubakar Keita was that guy this year for the Rapids, so... Um, you know, like, and we, we haven't even, Matt, Matt is furiously typing something because he's trying to figure out, he was like, oh, right, Abubakar Keita is a guy who exists. Um, you know, he's only 23 and he'll be coming back to the team and he's, his contract actually goes through 2026 uh, or 2025 with a club option for 2026. So, um, but anyways, uh, point being. Would I hate Steven shirt coming back? Not really. I mean, that was my complaint about Colin Warner when he came back. I was like, we don't really need Colin Warner. I had two years of them re-signing him and complaining. And then Drew Morris last year, I was kind of like, eh. you're basically paying player-level money for a, a bonus um, uh, coach, which I don't love. But at the end of the day, you know, it it's pretty harmless that the fighting over the 20th guy on the senior roster is just not worth doing. So I'd be fine with it. And he seems like a really good guy. Yeah, so
1: we're talking about this, listeners. Uh, MLS released the off-season calendar for them making bona fide offers to players who don't already have some form of offer or option for 2024 that has to be decided by november 22nd so mark as you mentioned maybe Stephen betasher will be getting a nice uh thanksgiving present in the form of a contract offer from the rapids on um on uh wednesday november 22nd and then actually Mar- rabbi the deadline for teams to uh, inform the league of the options they're exercising and not exercising is December 1st. So we're talking the Rapids having a proper five, six weeks to make some of this decision. And I I have a strong, I've heard from multiple people now, Mark, that the club is looking at finalizing a decision that first full week of November, so the week of the 6th or the week after that. So I think it is far more likely than not that the head coach is in place and publicly announced and done the press conference and taken the photo with the jersey and done the media roundtable before that December 1st deadline and then even has an extra week to possibly three in order to go about discussing with people at the club, discussing with the players on those options before the club has to finalize that on December 1st. And I would not be be shocked mark if uh we do not hear anything come end of business on friday december 1st and then we get a press release from the club first thing that monday morning and fans are freaking out over the weekend as to whether or not the rapids exercised their options in order to in order for the club to make the finalized decisions but then not have it be publicly known to all the other clubs as a form of competitive uh, information advantage there um Last thing that I want to say in terms of player stuff going on for next year, Mark, is that the uh, the Athletic Jeff Ruder have reported some details on the upcoming MLS Super Draft, and the key thing from a Rapids perspective could be that the league could be finalizing that players who have finished their sophomore year will then be eligible for the draft. So previously listeners, it was um, guys could come out, I believe, after their junior year, but that wasn't always guaranteed if they weren't a GA contract, and then obviously all the seniors were in el- were eligible, but the majority of the noteworthy underclassmen that you saw came out, they came out because of the Generation Adidas program. And this would now potentially make juniors and seniors eligible for the draft and then also GA players who could be freshmen or um, players coming out of there or sophomores as well. And that's significant, Mark, because the Rapids have the second overall pick in the Super Draft. That's their natural pick finishing second to last in the MLS supporter shield and then they have the LA Galaxy's at 4 and then they also have St. Louis's which is i think like 25 or 26 it's in the mid 20s it's in the it's in the Anthony Marcanic zone listeners so mark i i think the i, I think the and I, I can't remember if there's a fourth first round pick or a high second round pick that they have in that as well but mark the the rapids with those first two picks should be getting two players at different positions who definitely have the potential to contribute possibly contribute regularly to the first team and then maybe they get another project that has some sell-on value or some other value to the club later on but the fact that this is something that the league is looking at is potentially Potentially about to improve and could take effect for this upcoming Super Draft, that opens up a whole bunch of other possibilities in terms of available players, Mark, that the Rapids could be looking after and trying to court. I have to think this is a good thing. And the Rapids absolutely need to capitalize on that second and that fourth Super draft pick. These have to be the best senior coming out, like what Andre Shinyashiki did at DU, or these have to be the two ideal GA players in terms of the position of need and the style of play that the Rapids are looking for. And if they hit on those, that's two more young guys, just like we've talked about with the five homegrowns that were starting on or that were playing by the end of the game on Saturday, that could be a massive part of this rebuild for 24 and 25.
0: I'm I'm just not sure uh, how this is going to work. I read the article by Jeff Reuter. I think what we're really going to be learning in the next year or two or three is whether this rule change is going to increase the number of underclassmen who come up or whether it has no effect whatsoever. Um, the reason it would increase it is because you don't have to designate a player, a Generation Adidas player, to pick him as a sophomore or a junior. He just gets picked. Um, the reason that that's that's not ideal is it seems like from what I read that you still basically have to make a side deal with the player. Um, so the, gener- the upside of the Generation Adidas contract for the player is if it doesn't work out for that guy, um, they still get money to compensate them for the fact that they missed out on college eligibility so that they can go back to college and finish their degree. Um, it's unclear from this whether that's that's part of the deal. Although I would assume that the reason that that is uh, attractive to players now is back. You know, we were mentioning. I was just mentioning the low end contracts in 2018, and I've been tracking MLS contracts for almost 10 years now. You know, there was a, when I started watching MLS and and covering it 10 years ago. You know, the low end contracts were at like twenty nine thousand dollars for the year. You know, if you left school and then got paid 29,000 for the year and then got cut. Um you your 29,000 wasn't worth missing out on a year of college. Well now the MLS minimums are like 84, 87, 89. Now they really are, you know. You sock, you know, you you buy your your um, your Hyundai um, and your your one bedroom apartment in Arvada, and you sock away the other twenty four thousand dollars. You can go back to college after your one failed year in Major League Soccer. So that's maybe the only reason that works. There is a convoluted paragraph or two in Reuters um, thing about players who are uh, homegrowns for a team who then get uh, kind of. Picked during their undergraduate years in college, um, the Rapids have had a couple of players who they've passed on and let um, let go to college, and then haven't gone on to and then were homegrown's but didn't go on to the team. Um, the best example I can give you is Milo Garvanian, who played for UNC. Um, the Rapids made it aware they were not going to draft him. He was drafted by Major League Soccer. Um, I don't remember if he signed with the team, but he wound up with New Mexico United. Um, and I don't think he's any, he's no longer, he's no longer with them. Um, but a, a, an example of a Rapids player was, um, Sam Rabin who played all four years for Wake Forest. And then he was a homegrown, so he didn't enter the draft and the Rapids, um, exercised his homegrown rights, stashed him with Colorado Springs Uh, He played a little bit for the Rapids, I think, in the Open Cup. And then at the end of the season, um, they let him go. And Sam didn't stay with the Springs. Apparently, he went back to medical school. Um, But I did have one thing that I wanted to say on that note, which is semi-related to all this. But uh, based on a tweet that I said, for those of you who didn't see the tweet, I just want to say this because it's kind of a heartwarming thing. I would love to do a story on this if I had time and energy Um, But, you know, I think um, Davey uh, Armstrong a few years ago um, didn't quite pan out for the Colorado Rapids. He played a little bit for um, Colorado Springs and then um, he retired from soccer and then went on to being a firefighter uh, for Westminster. And he still is working in the Denver metropolitan area. As a firefighter, which is a pretty cool success story for a Rapids Academy player who isn't a soccer player. I have another Rapids Academy success story who is not a professional soccer player. Um, This was a player that I've been tracking for a while that I was very excited about um, because he was playing for a top college team and I was sure he was going to go on and do great things. Um, And this is trying to find the birth. When you recategorize your entire system by birth year, it's a little bit trickier um don't do that folks it, it it only causes problems um the rapids had a player in i believe is it birth year 19 uh 1999 uh yeah Uh, It was his birth year in 1999, making him 24 years old. His name was Reese DeSoto, Uh, went to Stanford, and um, with the extra year of eligibility after the pandemic, he graduated last year in 2023. In his final year for the Stanford Cardinal, well, in his years with the Stanford Cardinal, they won two national championships uh, and went to the College Cup a third time. Um, In Reese's senior year, he had 10 appearances and a goal, Um, but he never quite reached the heights that uh he was expected to kind of be on when he um left the rapids academy well he um uh i recently found him on um uh linkedin and um he's working for a biotech data firm as a data statistician in the um san francisco bay area he's doing um data statistics research into um, mRNA, um, uh, uh, medicines that, uh, help, uh, all that help or may someday go to cure Alzheimer's. So, um, honestly, between being a frontline player for the Colorado Rapids and possibly curing one of the more devastating diseases in the human, uh, body, Um, I'll take the, the biomedical stuff for 10,000, uh, Alex, um, Reese DeSoto going out and doing good things after his, uh, uh, homegrown and college career. So that's a little bit of a, kind of an off the wall update for all yin's.
1: One other thing that we'll touch on, Mark, I already mentioned what I think the, what I've reported on as far as the timeline for the head coaching search and that probably ramping up in the, wrapping up in the next two to three weeks. Uh, I and apparently a bunch of other people have heard, Mark, that apparently Jack Wilshire absolutely crushed it and was super impressive with his tactical ideas and his approach to, Youth development and was far beyond his years in terms of the 18 months, two years of coaching experience he's had with the U18s at Arsenal. Um, Haven't been able to confirm that he's a front runner, what that looks like, Mark, but I have to believe from the five guys that made it on after the first round that Wilshire is probably uh, could be making it to that next round. I've already said I don't think Chris Little is in that conversation. Little confirmed to me on Saturday after the game that he does have a contract beyond. This year, So that could be as an assistant with the first team. We've seen what he's done at the academy level with Seattle Sounders, Mark. So he could move into an academy role for the Rapids. He could do something with R2. That's TBD. But um, in terms of candidates that we know that have been reported elsewhere, I think it's Wilshire and Juarez and who knows what's going on with the other two. Mark, I might owe a mea culpa in saying that it was ridiculous that the Rapids were considering Jack Wilshire for the job or saying that he was horribly underqualified for the position based on what we've heard, but we'll wait and see what happens. Mark, does this make you any more excited as a gooner, as the prospects of Jack Wilshire being possibly the next head coach of the
0: Rapids and possibly deserving it? I would love it. I would, I would absolutely love it. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed, um, there's a bunch of midfielders, Like there's something about Arsenal homegrown English midfielders that i just always love like uh, i love him i love alex oxlade chamberlain um there's a whole bunch of other of those guys who are now no longer with arsenal that i could go through but the idea that they would still remain in my life uh with the with the colorado rapids would make me really happy although you know the the funny thing is i'm and we'll probably talk about this the next time we meet which will not be next week i don't think Um, but, uh, Matt, Matt is tired and burned out, wants to climb another 14er. Um, but, um, you know, I am coming up upon in about a month from today, my 10th anniversary as a soccer writer, uh, which will be pretty cool. Uh, I do not know what I, I will probably write a soccer article to celebrate it. And, um, the idea that I will be coming up upon, I think it'll probably just be like my fifth coach that I've ever um, kind of spoken to or worked with. Um, It might be my sixth uh, in Rapids history. It's it's kind of fun, but, uh, you know, I I, I don't look forward to being, I mean, because I'm distant, I don't think most people even know me anymore. But I don't relish the idea of being the guy in the press room when I look at a Rapids coach where I look at them and go, I remember your predecessor six predecessors ago. And let me tell you, Sonny, you know, that's not really the ideal position you want to put yourself in as a as a reporter. But I, I will carry that mantle if I can
1: uh, two tidbits that I have that are kind of, that'll be a good chuckle for the listeners that are somehow still listening to this podcast. Mark. Um, I got, uh, Sam Nicholson and Danny Wilson on the record. They are both Loch Ness monster truthers. They believe that the Loch Ness monster is real. And that brings me so much joy. Um, and then I was somehow Mark, uh, my meme suit of me and my burgundy suit, go on over to my Twitter folks and you'll see the drip that myself, Brendan Plone and, uh, Mitchell Carroll from DNVR had on, uh, was good enough to earn me an invite on the uh, to the after party after Burgundy affair ended as well, Mark, and one former captain of the Colorado Rapids may or may not have purchased me a beer, and I said goodbye to him after we both had at least one too many, and uh, we were both almost holding back tears, so um, it it was nice to, we've seen departures from players and not really had to uh, had the opportunity to, like, properly say goodbye, Mark, and obviously the, the way that I conduct myself as a member of the media is maybe a little bit different, but to see just how humanizing uh, Sunday was a confirmation for me, Mark, about so much respect and street cred that I have within the organization amongst the playing staff and other people as well, and then to get to say goodbye or good luck or if this is goodbye, like, hey, nothing but respect and everything, and to have that be reciprocated and a really deeply human, connecting, personal, living in the present moment with that player who in at times in the past, or for the majority of them, we've had a, a restrained relationship in terms of we we conduct ourselves professionally with each other, and there's a certain level of we don't get too personal because at the end of the day, I have to criticize them and you're not going to be here as long and I have to be able to be constructive without necessarily, like, I would not say there's any player current or past at the time that i was friends with i would say i'm friends with drew more now but that's obviously different now that he's not a player who i'm interviewing asking difficult sure. questions of criticizing but to be able to like leave on that such good terms or that sense of mutual understanding and respect in everything is absolutely was just absolutely fantastic and that was represented by the way that you know i said goodbye to jack price uh, amongst a few other players as well and so i just uh, i want to celebrate that
0: Matt, you are a certified legend. <laughs> <laughs> this has been such a
1: sucky year for so many people. Uh, listeners, I want to thank every single one of you who listened to Holding the High Line. Watching your favorite sports team be crap is not fun. And then listening to a podcast for an hour and a half every single week that then dissects the ways in which they are consistently crap is not fun. And so I appreciate every single one of you. We appreciate now um, every single person who supported us on our Substack because we are now officially out of the Cheers to the Six Pint glasses. So, I want to thank all of you for doing that. Um, it takes a village to actually have a soccer community. And regardless of how poor things were on the field, we have a really, really good village of listeners, of support staff, of people who we interact with the club who don't do anything on the technical side and everything, and just really good humans from the fans to the media, to the people around the club and everything. And so I just want to acknowledge that. I want to cherish that and every single fan that is listening to that. um, You know, RSL had the banner on Saturday, Mark, which I'm sure you saw, which said our rivalry deserves better in Mm. terms of what the club is trying to do on the field to put a competitive and compelling product on the field. This podcast deserves better in terms of the reception that we have gotten from the community and from Rapids fans normalizing for what has gone on around this club this year. We could not have anything better in terms of this community. I'm so glad that the pint glasses are sold out and everything. I'm so grateful for all the support and listeners. will see you next year for that off season. um, We probably, we're definitely not podcasting next week. Um, We will podcast when there is news to talk about. So when there's a coaching hire, we'll podcast that. Um, when the club drops news about their roster decisions for the end of the year. We will podcast for that, but I, I would not be shocked, Mark, if we're not doing a podcast more than once every three weeks for the rest of the calendar year. In lieu of that, listeners, if you want to communicate with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Soccer underscore Rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard. And at rapids96podcast, Mark's Rapids content written-wise, you can find it at our substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. All of my Rapids content will be at burgundywave.com. And if you want to get touch in long form, if somehow you haven't received your pint glass or you're wondering about shipping situation with that or you want other merch, Mark, we still got some Michael Azera shirts available, right?
0: We do. We have a couple of Michael Azera shirts in various sizes, so I can't promise it's the right size for you, but... We'll make it fit. Maybe it'll be something to sleep in if it's, if it's not the <laughs> ideal size for you.
1: So if you have any interest in that or if you are lonely and want to communicate with us and don't prefer to be on the Bird Letter app, uh, then you can email us at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. And you can also send us submit questions to us using the hashtag AskHTHL. With that, the 2023 Colorado Rapids season comes to a close. We will see you in the near future. Peace!